Hey everyone, how are we doing? It's Jawad with Hit the Apex Podcast, coming to you from the end of the first week of the lockdown. I say the first week because now we're in a two-week lockdown, so amazing, but it's all good. <laughs> Honestly, it hasn't been um, that bad apart from the work situation, but oh well, that'll be sorted in time as well. I hope you guys are doing well anyway, um, if you're in lockdown or wherever you are in the world. Um, hope all is good. Got some racing to talk about today as always and kicking it off with as I done. We're going back there after a year off obviously last year due to COVID and it's an entertaining race. You know, it was always a bit 50-50 on when we came to Baku. It was like does it really scream like a nation that loves F1 racing or motorsport in general? But the race itself has actually been quite entertaining, you know, and we've had some mixed results. Um, even though we've had three societies visited out of the four times we've visited here, but, you know, we've had different cars on the podium, and we've had Martin Stroll take a podium here um, back in his Williams days as well. So that, that was a standout result for him and then of course as well you know Sergio Perez doing it there for racing point forcing India back in those days too so yeah four different winners in the last four races we've had here at Baku even though Mercedes have taken three of them the first race was actually the European Grand Prix even though now it's known as the Abbasian Grand Prix um and of course we've had a Red Bull in Union 2 with Daniel Ricciardo too that was a Question I can't quit. I'm pretty sure that was when um, did he have Pat Stewart do the shoey here or was that somewhere else? I don't know. <laughs> there would have been a shoey here anyway. So one of the big things I think coming into this weekend is flexi wings. Um, talked a lot about it following Monaco during Monaco as well. Especially after the Barcelona when Ferrari admitted that they were using the flexi rear wings, the same with that for Romeo. Um, basically, it was it's Mercedes pointing out Red Bull um, gaining advantage using that flexible rear wings. So the way it works is that you know at high speed, the wing kind of flexes backwards, you know, to try and reduce more drag as well as having the DRS. As well, to get a bit of a top speed advantage now at a circuit like Monaco, where you know, don't really get to a very high speed anywhere, you don't really see the effects of it as much. But where here in Baku, we've got almost 2.5 kilometers of straights, um, it will be pretty obvious if you know someone's just way quicker than the other person. So, and considering two Red Bull have made inroads with Honda Power in it as well this season, you know, if it's a lot quicker than Mercedes, then I think we might be scratching our heads and um, bringing up the FIA and possibly going in for a protest, which has been touted by Mercedes and sorry, by McLaren as well, because McLaren direct competition with Ferrari for third in the Constructors' Championship and yeah, after Monaco last time there's only two points between them so they will want to try and mitigate any um, gain that Ferrari can make as a result of having this flexi wing. Same with Mercedes too, I mean they're locked into a championship battle, um, season long championship battle hopefully 
and they'll not be happy if their rivals are gaining any kind of advantage. But then you look back to last year and, you know, Red Bull were the ones who protested Mercedes and their DAS system, you know, the dual axis series, the dual axis steering and nothing really came of that apart from Mercedes being told well next year that's um, not allowed given that it was a clear loophole within the regulations and it wasn't actually a direct breach um, but this crackdown that's coming on the uh, flexi rewing will not be enforced until the French Grand Prix which is next up um, it has left the door open for a protest so you know that's the FIA's way of saying, you know, if you want us to do something about it, maybe maybe put in a protest and then we'll, we'll um, crack down on it a bit more. But, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if Red Bull and Ferrari decide to stiffen up those rewings for, for this weekend to try and avoid um, coming under suspicion and whatnot. But all the eyes will be on them come the first practice session and what those rewings are doing. And how this all came about was... Lewis Hamilton apparently, uh, when following Verstappen there in Barcelona, down the straights, noticed that the rear wing was doing something funky, so other than the DRS opening, so that's pretty much is what uh, has brought this to light and everything, and it's pretty entertaining, I've got to say, um, as much as, you know, you're like, oh, it's, it's disrepute, it's this, it's that, um, it's actually quite entertaining because, you know, They've obviously found a loophole, um, you know, the FIA does look down, like, or frown upon flexi wings on safety grounds, basically, um, you know, we saw Red Bull get disqualified a couple of, um, or 2014, as I said last time, uh, for doing, or for having a flexible front wing or whatever, um, and basically, yeah, it's just so that the cars don't take off and stuff like that, so you can see where they're coming from, but... Obviously, they found a loophole here that they've tried to to take advantage of, and they have, you know, you could say, I don't know, like, as a result of directly having the flexi wing, what have they gained out of it? It doesn't look like much, you know. Monaco, as I said, the win came not because of flexi wing, because you can't really use it much at Monaco because you don't get to high speed. So, you know, maybe it was for Baku all along, We'll see, but, um, you know, if a protest does come, what will what impact will that have? You know, will it skew the championship? Will it, you know, will they be allowed to get away with it um, when they do the, clamp, the crackdown as well at um, Paul Ricard? Is it just, yeah, all going to just boil over and into nothing? So that's pretty much, you know, where we just have to wait and see what's going to go on. Um, question... Will there be any punishments for, for the three teams that are involved at the moment with the flexi rewings, whether it's financial or sporting? If, you know, at worst, I reckon there could be a financial penalty or something just on safety grounds or breach of a safety regulation or whatever, but I seriously don't think that there would be any kind of sporting regulation because that would be pretty rotten for the championship and considering... Mercedes with DAS last year weren't given any kind of penalty either for this, you know, it's like, it wouldn't be, yeah, it would be pretty much the same, even though there is a mild safety risk there, but, you know, we're not going to see cars take off because of the amount, the rear wing flexes. Anyway, so looking at who's favourite, who's not, um, Mercedes, you know, eyeing bouncing back after their horror show in Monaco, uh, the record 
pit stop now, 43-hour pit stop apparently. And that's how long it took for Mercedes to take that wheel off Valtteri Bottas's car. So, you know, they've got a lot of records, do Mercedes, and they've got, you know, this rather unwanted one now, rather comical one, you could say, um, with that pit stop. So they're going to be eyeing, bouncing back after the horror show there in Monaco. You know, not often do we see the reigning champs have two bad weekends in a row. And how about Bottas as well? You know, look, it just seems like he's so down on confidence and just nothing going on. Um, in terms of his form, this is a circuit where last time we were here, he actually won, you know, and that was a redemption story from the year before when he had that puncture, you know, like on the second last lap or whatever. So, you know, what gives for him, it's all looking likely as being this being his last year at Mercedes. Um, there was some talk at a William CEO, Jost Capito, um, in the last couple of weeks about how he doesn't think George Russell will be staying at Williams next year, so what does that mean? Where is Russell going to go? Well, obviously it would be to Mercedes um, in place of Bottas, most likely. Sad story, really, the Valtteri Bottas thing, you know, it's one of those ones where I like to reference back to 2014, where I said, you know, he was such a standout that year along with Daniel Ricciardo and perhaps more impressive than Ricciardo given that he was in a Williams that um, the only good thing about that Williams effectively was the power unit you know it was a pretty average chassis but you know the power unit took it forward um, and he was able to get the results he was on the podium he did a good job against his teammate Felipe Massa as well over the times that they were together. And then I thought, you know, this guy can be world champion in the future. But after all these years at Mercedes and, you know, next to Lewis Hamilton, um, and there, there probably was the biggest mistake is, you know, being the teammate of Lewis Hamilton. So, you know, Mercedes wasn't going to let the Hamilton-Rosberg-style rivalry um, re-emerge with, with the new teammates. So... I think there he kind of put himself into a corner and um, don't know. I mean, what what will happen to Bottas in the future? Go back to Williams possibly. Might be a nice little um, full circle story for him. But it's just kind of sad that, you know, like he's a driver that talks about wanting to be world champion and he's changed his mentality every year. He's Bottas 2.0, 3.0, whatever, 0.0. Um, and just, yeah, fall short and I think this year is looking the lowest that he has ever um, since he's been at Mercedes so can he just get a good result get a win even just for as a consolation you know just to, to boost his confidence a little bit who knows because you know you'll you'll be wanting to put the eggs into the Hamilton basket and Mercedes especially you know with the the strategy calls that they made in Monaco will have to try and do whatever they can to make it up to their to their main man this weekend so by if anything were to happen because this is Baku we've got a 100% safety car um, record as well and you know lots of crazy things happen here where you know Marcus Ericsson for uh, even though he's miles behind manages to to spin Grosjean into the fence things like that happen you know here at Baku so yeah 
um if something weird was to happen out front between the two protagonists then you know someone like a bottas will be there to pick up the pieces you know you've got also mclaren looking quite quick as well um and they've really been touted as favorites here you know kind of like how ferrari did there at monaco could mclaren replicate here in in baku I don't think it would be as they won't be as potent as Ferrari there in qualifying, but certainly obvious contenders for the podium. You know, you want someone like Ricardo, who's got the onus on him to deliver as well, to try and get a good result here to change his confidence. You know, to be more comfortable in that car because ultimately they've got a good car, McLaren. They don't have to, you know change that entire philosophy just for for Ricardo he needs to be able to adapt to that car it's certainly not as you know unique as the Red Bull which was you know quite difficult to drive it's you know science was able to adapt to it as I said last week and you know he was doing rather well in the McLaren and I just love reading the comments between you know Lando and and Carlos as well Carlos saying that you know it's um Lando can definitely take that team forward he can definitely be the team leader and and world champion with McLaren too so that's a bit of a dagger into to Ricardo as well and you know <laughs> you know Netflix loves that little rivalry or non-rivalry between science and Ricardo so you know that's another little jab you could say so big onus on him to deliver this weekend I reckon you know it's a circuit that he's won at before as I said with Monaco um, a few weeks ago but he's definitely got the chance and at a circuit where the car is actually being tipped to be quite good too, like Monaco is was meant to be McLaren's bogey track, so here where they can do rather well, they're being talked about and hyped up by their rivals, I would expect no less than, you know, being in the top five for him, if not, then it is a bit of a failure, so where to go from there, you don't know, but um, yeah, you know, Ferrari won't be as obvious as favourites here, uh, whether they get some kind of an advantage with the flexi wing who knows but as far as just on raw power is concerned they are still down compared to mercedes and and honda so we'll see where they feature but it's definitely a weekend i think that mclaren can get ahead um on points in the constructors championship so and personally you know back Lando for a podium if, if not for for greater things if it it can happen so yeah um points leader though Max Verstappen he took the lead of the championship last time out in Monaco first time in his career he's done that and he's actually not even finished on the podium here in in Baku so as I said um he's had some pretty rotten luck he crashed out of here with Ricardo a few years ago as well a bit of um capitulation there from the Red Bull team so Hopefully that is not going to happen this time out with he and Perez. But we can see overtaking down the pit straight. Hopefully we have a wheel-to-wheel battle between him and Hamilton because we have had at every race so far this season except for Monaco. So, you know, those two coming down into turn one side by side, you know, who's going to give way, who's not going to give way. Are they going to go off, you know, like he and Ricardo did in the past or you know, Prost and Senna, whatever, that would be, that would be hilarious, but also very entertaining, so 
and as I said already with their teammates as well, Bottas in particular, but also Checo, who was on the podium here previously, they just need to increase their presence, I think, you know, it, it was good for Checo to benefit from the overcut in Monaco, finish fourth and get the points that Red Bull needed to get ahead in the championship, but it's about staying there now and whether Checo can keep up though keep up those results week in, week out. So he will hopefully um, be battling for a podium too because he hasn't had one yet in his Red Bull career and he's gonna need a few more of them, you know, through this season to be able to firmly give Red Bull that Constructors' Championship that they've been just lusting over for the last, you know, seven years or whatever since since the start of the hybrid turbo era. So, yeah, that's that's the onus on those guys too, onus on Dan to deliver. Otherwise, elsewhere, you know, you can expect Pierre Gasly to be up there too. Um, Esteban Ocon has been super this season so far, so... Um, might be watching Fernando Alonso a bit more closely this weekend, seeing if he can get in, get anything back on his teammate. Um, I remember Alonso being on three wheels here when he last raced, I think, for McLaren, or, you know, second last time that he raced for McLaren here. Um, and while we're talking about Gasly, his Alpha Tauri teammate, um, Yuki Tsunoda, apparently is moving closer to the factory there in in Italy in Faenza so he's actually moving to Italy to try and rediscover some form work closely with the team because he you know came out of the blocks so strongly and then for the rest of the season so far he's been nowhere and just swearing a lot so hopefully he can turn a corner as well and with the 100% safety car chance as well there's always um, opportunity for some of the lesser lights, you know, your Haas's and your Williams to, to trouble the score sheet too. So it wouldn't be surprising if we come out of here and we see one of those two teams score points. Um, I know George Russell will be hoping for points there at Williams as well, as will the entire Williams operation. But, um, you know, Haas as well, the miserable season that they've had so far, they need something to celebrate too, even though they're not really have they don't really have such high expectations for for 2021 so yeah hard to say who's gonna go for this one i will definitely say that mercedes will um bounce back pretty strongly after their torrid torrid time in monaco so you know let's let's keep a lookout and see what happens come first practice gonna talk two wheels now um that the F1 preview was done, and it was a bit of a sad weekend there at Mugello, the Italian Grand Prix. Tragic news with the passing of young Jason Dupasquia in Moto3, aged only 19, so there was a crash there on Saturday, which, you know, it took a long time for the um, the medical staff on, on track to attend to him and to have him airlifted away to the local hospital as well, where you know, they did what they could overnight, but then sadly, and tragically, the news came Sunday morning, um, European time, that he was no longer with us, um, very sad, it just cast a whole shadow over the rest of the weekend, and um, MotoGP riders such as Peko Bagnaia were quite critical of the category for not cancelling the rest of the weekend, you know, why did we go ahead and race and everything, his teammate Jack Miller as well was pretty, you know, 
upset and frustrated with the TV coverage as well of the crash and everything and the way that um, they covered it. Um, they should have been a bit more respectful was his opinion. So, you know, a bit of a dark weekend for MotoGP and for the, you know, junior categories as well, Moto2, Moto3. And um, young De Pasquia, you know, was doing some good things and on his way to possibly, yeah, you know, joining MotoGP in the future and becoming like a, a Swiss star, so that would have been would have been great. But we saw Fabio Quattararo triumph and um, pay tribute to Jason as well. He won ahead of Juan Mir and Miguel Oliveira. Bagnaya just, yeah, you know, you kind of felt when he crashed out earlier the race that maybe his head wasn't all in it, you know, he was the one who say who said they should have cancelled the race, so maybe that was um, his way of saying, guys, I'm not in this, that's it, taken a bit of a hit in the championship as a result of that, um, also pre, pre-race there was some cheeky antics or just some craziness uh, when they were forming up on the grid between Johan Zarco and Anea Bastianini, Zarco just decides to park himself in the middle of the grid and gets re-rendered by Bastianini, who gets sent over um, Zarco. That was quite um, horrific when I saw the replay of that. Like, what? <laughs> you know, how did Bastianini end, on, um, end up on the floor and out of the race before the race even starts? And then seeing the footage, you know, Zarco basically just stops while Bastianini's coming in behind and just it's almost comical but not funny um hits the back of his bike and gets sent over so that was a bit um scary given all that had already happened and everything earlier in the weekend so luckily both riders were okay well Zarco was able to battle with uh Quattararo in the early stages of the race whereas um Bastianini could not race at all unfortunately he also had Mark Marquez crash out on the first lap as well um and he had a little coming together with Brad Binder. Um, it saw Franco Morbidelli go off too, so um, Marquez took the blame in that one. Not a great weekend for him, but Binder was able to come back and um, finish in the top five. Uh, Rossi as well, Valentino, his his home race, Magello. You know, we used to come to Magello with such, you know, high hopes and fanfare, the yellow smoke and everything, and I think, Finishing in the top 10 was basically the uh, the only thing that we could celebrate, you know, it was like getting a good result, you know, like getting a podium or whatever, so what, you know, is going on in that camp, what does this season hold now, is this going to be it for him, God, you know, I just wish he didn't have to bow out in this sort of circumstances, I would have rather he go out on a high and we remember Valentino for the champion that he is, because Imagine young kids watching now who never got to see Rossi in his heydays, who just see him as this guy who hangs around the back of the grid and is just this old dude who's beyond it. You know, that would be really sad because, you know, up until two years ago, three years ago, he was still winning races and still up there hustling the the big names, you know. But with these, you know, next generation of stars, your Quattararos, your Bagnias, your Millers and all that, you know, Rossi just cannot keep up, and it's looking very difficult, so, you know, he finished up, you know, in the top 10, because there was some crashes, I guess, you know, Rins crashed out, Nakagami as well, and as I said, Marquez went down too, so, 
you know, they can probably celebrate it like a win, but I wouldn't because it just, it's so sad, you know, I'm, I'm used to celebrating him actually winning races and getting on the podium and having a bit of a cheer, doing some crazy antics or whatever, but yeah, 10th. It's, it shows you the signs of the times and everything. So, yeah, as a result of that, you know, this race and the championship. So, Miller ended up in sixth, and he said that was the best he could do in that race. He was behind Zarco and Binder. Zarco fourth, Binder fifth. And overall, Jack now 31 points adrift off Quattararo. So, um, and fourth overall in the standings. So Quattararo looking pretty, pretty chill up there at the top of the standings, 24 points ahead of Zarco, and then 26 ahead of Bagnaya. So pulling away, you could say, but this championship does ebb and flow very well and very quickly into Barcelona this weekend. Um, so back-to-back weekends, what impact is that going to have? You know, Ducati's always been really quick here at um, at Barcelona, but also, you know, the form that Quattararo's got on that Yamaha, he's had the last four pole positions, he's won, you know, two of the last four races as well, so, you know, he's looking pretty strong and so far pretty consistent too, so we'll see where he goes and um, where this championship goes too. And finally, to cap things off for this week's recording, Indy 500, and unfortunately, I didn't actually get to watch it. (laughs) Um, I thought about watching it live, given the fact that we're in lockdown and I didn't have to wake up as I normally do on a Monday morning for work, but Sunday night, I was just, yeah felt like um sleeping so decided not to um decided not to watch it live got to watch the highlights and everything and was a great race as always entertaining and you know the 46 year old Helio Castro Nevers joining the elite club of the four-time winners so you know Rick Mears, Al Unser, AJ Foyt up there you know and 11 years after Helio won his third race so it was a long time coming and a lot of people probably didn't expect it but you know four-time winner a bit un, un bit unexpected and surprising but the spider-man as they call him because of um his celebration or his whenever he wins a race he climbs the fence like spider-man and it was good to see fans there as well there at um the indianapolis motor speedway so really put on a show he dueled alex Pillow in the second half of the race and came off you know just ahead of Pillow. imagine if Pillow had had a one that would have been you know that would have spent sent spain into raptures to to win the Indy 500 but um you know that was the second half of the race with those two Polo just coming up short but you know he can be real happy with his result and I know Indy the Indy 500 is one of those races where if you don't win you kind of get forgotten about but you know I think he can be real happy with his result there in second and he's having such a great season too so he can also think long term and about the championship possibly too which would be really good so we had the pole sitter Scott Dixon and um, the likes of Colton Herter and Rena VK uh, trading the lead in the opening stage of the stages of the race had some chaos um, at the start as well I guess with Will Power stalling and not getting a, getting away um, that problem also befell Dixon as well in the pit stop, he couldn't get his car back up and running and like lost s- severe ground, you know, lost um, some time 
Um, Stefan Wilson crashed down in the pit lane. Ed Carpenter stalled as well. Um, poor Scotty McLaughlin ended up um, getting a drive-through penalty for speeding in the pits on lap 109. So, a bit of an amateur mistake for, for Scotty there. And his day ruined and finished, as a result, down in 20th. Otherwise, he could have been up there, you know, in the closing stages as well. Um, but, yeah, as far as Team Penske concerned, Simon Pagenaud winning the duel there for third against Pato Award um, for McLaren SP. Uh, they had a good day, I guess, you know, with Montoya coming up to P9 as well. Not so good there for Felix Rosenquist down in 27th. But overall, you know, probably not as chaotic as most Indy 500s you know, are all they're well known for, but still really good because, you know, considering last year there was no fans there, um, the spectacle this time around was a lot more and, you know, seeing uh, a name such as Elio up there just goes to show how much of a legend he is, you know, and this, this whole grid, I think, is full of great talent, you know, and then when you look at where they finish, you're like, you know, you'd, you'd almost want all of them to win, but Unfortunately, they can't. So, um, Marcus Ericsson down in 11th, Joseph Newgarden 12th, and, you know, Newgarden still hasn't won an Indy 500, considering he's a two-time champion. Dixon down in 17th um, there. So, how does that look for him in the championship? I'll have a look in a sec. James Hinchcliffe as well down in 21st. He's always a favourite too for fans. Um, Seb Bourdais, 26th, Alexander Rossi. Uh, down in 29th and a few laps off the lead and yeah poor Simona Di Silvestro as well you know ended up retiring from the race with contact so yeah you know Polo leading the championship after this one he's ahead of Dixon by what 36 points you know so you know this is now that the month of May is done and you know we've got the spectacle out of the way I think it's full full on on the championship and you know you've got some good names up there Pato Awards up there um, so is Simon Paginel, so, yeah, looking, looking really good for the IndyCar Championship, so, I think that, that about does it for this weekend, or for this week, so, hopefully you guys enjoy Baku this weekend, MotoGP is on as well there in, in Barcelona, um, as I said again, if you're in lockdown, I hope you're all good, just hang in there, do what you need to to entertain yourselves, and yeah, hopefully this time next week we've got some better news um, in terms of coming out of it and whatnot. So, other than that, other than that, stay safe, have a have a good weekend. Remember to find us on our link tree and also uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, my personal account on Instagram, and um, hopefully, yeah, we'll be summing up a good race for you from Baku next week. Ciao.